Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Trailers for sale or rent. Rooms to let 50 cents. I'm a man of means by no means. King of the road. I had to try that again, gang. Although I think my voice is a little messed up since I was singing along to David Lee Roth on the car trip over here. And I sure hope we don't have to pay the Roger Miller estate any money for that. Anyways, this is Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, or T-L-O-P-N, or Tloppin, brought to you by Built Bar. I am D.C. Lundberg, the king of the road of Tloppin, our party in the panhandle soldiers on, and we are coming at you today on location in Plummer, Idaho. Yes, Plummer, Idaho, ladies and gentlemen, spelled the exact same way as the former Mariners skipper. In fact, I'm coming at you today from a location on E Street, and I could not find Clarence Clemens or the rest of the band. To the handful of you chuckling, thank you. To those of you going, whoa, look it up. And to the dozens undoubtedly rolling their eyes, it's comedy like that that got me where I am today. In any case, please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to this program on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Uh, ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or Locked On Anything podcast, any of the shows here on Tloppin'. Follow this program on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G if you're scoring at home. We are wrapping up a project that I inadvertently started last week on the show. And that's updating the 3,000 Hit Club and projecting those players' totals to see what they may have looked like if the 1981 and 1994 players' strikes never happened. We have but two players to get to, so we'll finish in the first half of today's show. In the second half, we're going to look at some more players who played through 1994 and see what their season totals may have looked like. Before we get to the final two members of the 3,000 Hit Club, I want to make a note about Derek Jeter, who did make his Major League debut early in the 19. 1995 season and has over 3,000 hits. He was called up at the end of May and was something of an injury replacement. Tony Fernandez had been the shortstop, but he got injured and was slumping badly anyway. Then Kevin Elster took Fernandez's spot, but he slumped even worse, and the Yankees went with a rotation of Robert Enhorn, Randy Velarde, and Elster, but this didn't work out either, so they called up Jeter from AAA, but he played only 13 games before being sent down, so it's likely that he does not gain any games at the beginning of the season. Incidentally, his first big league game was in Seattle on May 29th, which also happened to be Memorial Day. His father had promised him that when he made his big league debut that he would take him out to dinner. Well, the game went 12 innings and lasted just over four hours. Jeter wasn't able to leave the kingdom to meet his father until just about all the restaurants had closed, but they finally found a McDonald's that was open, and Jeter's father kept his promise and took his son out to McDonald's to celebrate his first major league game. The penultimate member of the 3,000 hit club we'll discuss is my all-time favorite player, Cal Ripken Jr., and he's kind of an interesting case. Obviously, he's got the 1994-95 strike, which cost him some games, but in 1981, he made his Major League debut the day play resumed following the strike. I can't help but imagine that he would have been called up after the All-Star break 
well, he was called up after the All-Star break, but I'm talking about the originally scheduled All-Star break in July. The Orioles had 24 games scheduled after the All-Star break that were erased by the strike. Cal was used sparingly and appeared in 19 of the first 24 games after the season resumed, so I will apply those 19 games to mimic the 24 erased by the strike. Cal started only 8 of those 19 games, only 4 hits and 36 at-bats. He was used uh, mainly as a late-inning defensive replacement, both at third base and shortstop, along with pinch running and pinch hitting duties, with the occasional start. He hit 111 during the stretch and only hit 128 in the 23 games he played during that partial season. Now for the 1994 strike. In 1994, his Baltimore Orioles got through 112 games before the strike ended the season, leaving 50 unplayed. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Iron Man would have started all those games. I'm just glad it's an even number. In his final 50 games of the 1994 season, he collected 66 hits in 198 at-bats. In his final 25 games, he got 35 hits and 102 at-bats. So this doubled total of 70 is more favorable, and thus the one we're going to use. Interestingly, he hit two triples during this period, but only one home run. Now for 1995, and again, I'm going to be daring and say that he plays all 18 missing games at the beginning of the season. I know that may be really going out on a limb, but something's telling me he wouldn't have missed any of these games. Anyways, the Ironman gains 69 more at-bats and 21 hits. Accounting for both strikes, he gains a grand total of 309 at-bats and 95 hits, bringing his hit total to 3,279, whose 276 batting average remains right where it is, and his home run total increases by 4, from 431 to 435. With the extra 62 games in 1994 and 1995, instead of breaking Lou Gehrig's consecutive games streak early in September 1995, he would break the record on Saturday, July 1st, 1995, on the road in Toronto against the Blue Jays. Although, honestly, I'm sure Major League Baseball would have scheduled the Orioles to be at home that day. Not against the Blue Jays, since July 1st is Canada Day, and the Jays always play at home on Canada Day. So it's pretty much impossible to tell which team the Orioles would have been playing the day Cal broke the streak. Incidentally, he went 0-4 for 4 with a sack fly in that game against the Blue Jays, but his Orioles did win 6-2 in the Sky Dome with Jamie Moyer beating Al Leiter. Now we'll wrap things up with the all-time hit king, Pete Rose. In his third year with the Phillies, he led the National League in hits in 1981 with 140. Let's see what happens when we account for the games missing in the middle of the season. This should be pretty interesting. His Phillies played 107 games, and Rose appeared in all of them. In fact, he started all of them. I have no trouble believing that Rose would have played all 55 missing games. Between 1974 and 1982, he missed a whopping two games, both of them in 1978. I'll take Rose's 28 games prior to the strike and his 27 games following the strike and apply those games to the 55 missing games. In those 28 games leading up to the strike, Rose collected 32 hits and 110 at-bats, a little off his overall season pace. In the 27 games following the strike, he got 39 hits and 114 at-bats, hitting at a 342 clip. Interesting to note, he does not gain a single home run during this time, 
although he hit 160 of them over his 24-year career, so long ball power really wasn't a part of his game. Overall, he gains 224 at-bats and 71 hits. His career batting average stays right where it is, 303, and his hit total rises to 4,327. Well over 100 hits more than the man in second place, Ty Cobb. Although Cobb kicks his butt in the batting average department, over 60 points higher than Rose. To recap the all-time hit list one final time, Pete Rose is on top, 43-27. Ty Cobb second place, 41-89. Hank Aaron third place, 37-71. San Musial fourth place, 36-30. Number five is Tris Speaker at 35-14. Carl Yastrzemski, number six, 34-66. Derek Jeter just one behind at number seven, 34-65. Number eight is Cap Anson, 34-35. Number nine, Paul Molitor, 34-23. That's an updated total. Honus Wagner's 34-20. And in 10th place, not an updated total. In 11th place is Eddie Murray, 3,400 even. 12th place, Eddie Collins, 33-15. Number 13, Willie Mays, 32-83. Number 14, Cal Ripken Jr., 3279. Number 15 is Nop Lajoy or Nop Lajoy, however you want to pronounce it. 3243, still a great player, no matter how you pronounce that difficult name. Number 16, and a very easy name, Tony Gwynn, 3239. 17 is George Brett, 3218. 18 is Albert Pujols, 3202. But again, he's still an active player. He has a chance to leapfrog a bunch of players this season alone. 19 is Robin Yount at 3197. Number 20 is Dave Winfield, 3180. Two behind is Ricky Henderson at 3178 in 21st place. 22nd is Adrian Beltre, 3166. Paul Wainer's 3152 is good enough for 23rd place. 24th place is occupied by Craig Biggio at 3141. 25 is Alex Rodriguez at 3138. Let's take this time to note that he was busted for PED use a couple of times. 26th place is Rod Carew, 3120. 27th place is another player who was busted for PED use, Rafael Palmero at 3,098. 28th place is Wade Boggs, 3,091. He is two ahead of Ichiro Suzuki at 3,089, who's in 29th place. 30th place is Lou Brock, 3,023. 31st place is Al Kaline at 3,007. And in 32nd place all time, Roberto Clemente at exactly 3,000 hits. That brings us to the Mariners trivia question. Do you remember the Memorial Day game at the Kingdom that I mentioned at the top of the show? Derek Jeter's Major League debut? The Mariners won that game 8-7, to as I said, in 12 innings. Who hit the game-winning home run to lead off the bottom of the 12th? Answer following a word from... Wait, this can't be right. A word from Attorney General Bill Barr? What? No, 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 no. It's a word from Bilt Barr, of course. Tired of chalky protein bars that leave a funky aftertaste and aren't very appetizing to begin with? Done with gritty protein shakes that taste more like the end of a pool cue than chocolate? Finished with blind dates that end with you getting slapped in the face? Well, I'm not going to help you with that last one. But as far as the first two, your answer is here, and it is none other than 
Built Bar. No chalky texture, no grittiness, no strange aftertaste, and they actually taste good to begin with. They're made with real chocolate, are gluten-free, and the nut-free flavors are all made in a peanut and tree nut-free facility. They pack a whopping 15-plus grams of protein in each and every bar. They're low-sugar and low-calorie. Go to BuiltBar.com and build your own box of Built Bars. And if you can say that phrase 10 times fast, if you order one box, you can get a second box for the exact same price. Better yet, use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first order. And don't forget about Built Boost. One tiny sleeve of Built Boost transforms a boring 16-ounce bottle of water into a delicious protein-packed refreshing drink. Blackberry lemonade, fruit punch, pina colada, and more. So if you like pina colada and getting caught in the rain, escape to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first order. Answer to the Mariners trivia question. The Yankees-Mariners game at the Kingdom on Memorial Day 1995, Derek Jeter's Major League debut, was won on a 12th inning home run by Rich Amaral. More Locked On Mariners from Plummer, Idaho, as I see some quail walking by my car and now flying away after this. This podcast is sponsored by the audiobook edition of 24, Life Stories and Lessons from the Say Hey Kid. In this reflective and inspirational memoir, the legendary Willie Mays shares the inspirations and influences responsible for guiding him on and off the field. Widely regarded as the greatest all-around player in baseball history, the beloved Willie Mays offers people of all ages his lifetime of experience meeting challenges with positivity, integrity, and triumph. This special audiobook production includes a forward read by Bob Costas, and a bonus conversation with Willie Mays and his co-author, John Shea. Whether you miss seeing your favorite players on the field this season or are looking for the perfect Father's Day gift, 24 is the inspiring story of one of sports fans' favorite living legends. Buy the audiobook edition of 24 now, wherever audiobooks are sold. Now time for the second half of Locked On Mariners. Once again, your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you, J.M. I have in my uh, show notes here, sing second line of King of the Road, but my voice is shot not only from doing two shows today, uh, but for singing heavy metal on the way, and I just don't have it anymore. In any case, King of the Road, great song. I just hope I don't get in trouble for singing copyrighted music, but whatever. It's a classic, and I will take this opportunity to ask you to go out and purchase whichever Roger Miller album you can find that has that particular song. Hopefully that satisfies any representatives from ASCAP who may be listening. In any case, Locked on Mariners has returned from Plummer, Idaho today, and with the updated 3000 Hit Club now in the books, there are a couple specific players I wanted to project out like this for a while. Not necessarily to see their career stats, but single season stats. They played in 1994, and uh, one of them... Let's just say he had some outside help beginning at a certain time. I'll begin with that player, and that is Barry Bonds. I projected out his 1994 home run total to see what he may have done if the strike didn't claim the last part of the season since he was chasing Roger Maris' single-season home run record that year. But I'm also going to project out 1995, then cut his career off after 1998 since 1999 was most likely when he began his HGH regimen. As evidenced by the fact that he showed up to spring training in 1999 almost 45 pounds heavier all muscle and two hat sizes bigger 
And that's kind of a tip-off, wouldn't you say? Anyways, Bonds, as I said, was chasing Roger Maris's home run record in 1994, and last week I projected him for between 57 and 59 home runs. However, as I'm writing this, I realized a small flaw in the logic I used last week. The Giants had 47 games remaining that were erased by the strike. Bonds had played 97% of the Giants games up to that point, so I'd figure he'd play 46 of the remaining 47 games. He's chasing a home run record. There's no way he's going to set out a game until he gets that record. So he likely would have played all 47 remaining games. I still projected his home run total in both his final 46 games and his final 23 games doubled, and the larger sample size was more favorable. So for this projection, I will take his final 47 games to mimic the missing 47 games at the end of the Giants' season. Well, he still has 22 home runs for a season total of 59. His 1994 numbers now include a slash line of 320, 428, 680, 182 hits, and 569 at-bats, 102 walks, 18 intentional walks. He led the National League in intentional walks from 1992 to 1998. He now has 125 RBI, 47 stolen bases, 13 caught stealings, 135 runs, and 387 total bases. Moving on to 1995, his slash line improves if we duplicate his first 18 games of the 95 season to account for the missing games at the beginning of the year. He played every single Giants game that year, so I have no problem saying that he played all of the missing games erased by the strike. He gains 63 at-bats, 21 hits, 2 doubles, a triple, 3 home runs, 11 RBI, 4 stolen bases, and 17 walks. His season slash line goes from 294, 431, 577 to 299, 436, 569. So his batting average and on-base percentage go up a little bit while his slugging percentage drops, but not by much. He now has 35 home runs for the season with 115 RBI. So if we add these games into his career totals, then remove his tainted stats from 1999 onward, he winds up with a career slash line of 291, 412, 560, and a 972 OPS. He has 1,998 hits, including 435 home runs and 414 doubles. He drives in 1,271 runs, steals 467 bases, walks 1,402 times, while striking out 1,076 times. He also has 295 intentional walks, all this in 1,963 games played. I was going to do just one more player uh, the second half of this show, and that was going to be the Mariners' very own Ken Griffey Jr. I'm not so much worried about how the strike affected his numbers. I'm curious to see what his stats may look like if he never broke his wrist in 1995 or broke his hamate bone in 1996. But as I started diving into this with Junior, I realized that there were quite a few seasons in which he missed time due to injury, both in Seattle and Cincinnati, that I can get a whole show out of this. So I'm going to do that next week. To wrap up this particular episode, I will look at some other Mariners who played through the 1994-95 strike and see what their numbers may have looked like if those seasons hadn't been shortened. I'll start with my all-time favorite Mariner, Jay Buhner. In 1994, Bone played 101 of the 112 Mariners games. Most of the games he missed came in early to mid-July, which looks like it may have been the result of an injury. 
Other than that string of games, he had three other days off. So I'll give him two more days off during the Mariners missing 50 games. The 24-game sample size is much kinder to Bone than the 48-game sample size. So we'll take his final 24 games, double those totals, and apply those to the Mariners' final games of the fictitious 1994 season. With these added games, his 1994 slash line goes from 279, 394, 542, all the way to 293, 407, 556. He's almost a 300 hitter with this projection, and that 279 batting average he has in real life was already his career high. He gains a dozen home runs and goes up to 33, which would have been his first 30-plus home run season. He gains 48 RBI, bringing this alternate universe total to 116, which would have been his first 100-plus RBI season. He now also has 100 walks, his exact same total from 1993, and he's four total bases away from 300 at 296. Now for 1995, where he got off to a woefully slow start. He started 17 of the Mariners' first 18 games, so I'll take those 17 games and apply those to the erased games at the beginning of the season. He hit 243 during this stretch, and that's only because he had three big games towards the end of this time frame. He was hitting around 175 for most of it. Even with that hot end to the sample size, his overall slash line goes down from 262, 343, 566 to 259, 333, 541. He gains a whopping one home run for the season, giving him 41, and he gains a dozen RBI, going to 133. Accounting for the games erased in both seasons by the strike, his career slash line does improve from 254, 359, 494 to 256, 360, 495. He now has 323 career home runs, gaining 13, and 1,025 RBI, gaining 65. So he's over 1,000 RBI for his career now. We'll look at one more Mariner before I call it a day and head home. And that'll be the 1995 American League batting champion, Edgar Martinez. Another player I'd like to see what may have happened to his career if he wasn't injured through 1993 and 1994. Maybe I'll delve into that next week as well, but for now I'll just worry about the strike. Edgar played 89 of the M's 112 games in 1994, but he missed a string of games in April and a good two and a half weeks in May because of injury. His last day off was in mid-June, but with the Mariners out of contention, I'll give him two more days off during the Mariners' final 50 games erased by the strike. Edgar wound up the season in a slump, and the 48-game sample size is more beneficial to him than the 24-game sample size. I will note that he hit just 237 in his final 24 games, and only 204 in his final dozen games. Anyways, during the 48-game stretch we're using to project the final games of the 1994 season, Edgar hit 284, which was one point off his season-ending batting average of 285. He gains 13 doubles and 9 home runs, as well as 32 RBI. As far as his updated slash line, his batting average remains the same, his on-base percentage drops a little bit, and his slugging percentage goes up. 
For the season, he hit 13 home runs, nine of which came during the sample size we're applying to the end of the season. So his new season total is 22, which would have been his first 20-plus home run season. Let's get to 1995, and this is the season I'm really curious about. I hope he got off to a hot start, says the guy writing the script, who hasn't bothered to look at Edgar's game-by-game 1995 register yet. Anyways, Edgar played every single Mariner game in 1995, so we'll also say he plays all 18 of the games erased by the strike. Now to see what he did in those first 18 games. And I see that he hit 367 during that stretch, so he's going to gain points on his batting average. What a relief. Well, actually, considering it's so few games, he may gain one point, if any, but it's not going down. As I plug the numbers into the handy-dandy spreadsheet I created for this, his 1995 batting average does in fact go up to one point by 357. His on-base percentage goes down two points, however, but he gains six points on a slugging percentage. His new slash line is 357, 477, 634. He gains four home runs for a new total of 33, his first season with 30 or more, and gains seven doubles for a new total of 59. Wow. He's also now got 127 RBI for 1995 and 204 hits, which would have been his only season with 200 or more. For his career, he now has 322 home runs, one fewer than Jay Buhner's updated total. He loses a point off his batting average and on base percentage, but gains a point on a slugging percentage, so his OPS remains the same. I may try to play with 1993 and 1994 some more next week, as those were injury-plagued. But that's going to do it for today. Tomorrow, we're going to put the party in the panhandle on hold and instead present to you the Diamond Quiz episode of Champions. The three winners from the three previous games, Taylor Blake Ward of Locked on Angels, Paul Sully Sullivan of Locked on MLB, and Jeff Snyder of Locked on Dodgers will all be backed to defend their championships. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked on Mariners on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you can think of. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners, and follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg. Remember, tomorrow is the Diamond Quiz episode of Champions, and trust me, you do not want to miss it. Until then, have a great day. This is Joey Martin saying join us back here next time for another edition of Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy Baseball upon the conclusion of this program.